Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm your host, Paula Jenkins. I invite you to join me as we explore how inspiring people have chosen joy in their lives and what they have to share with us about how to jumpstart joy in the world. Plus, how do we follow our own hearts, find work that lights us up while mindfully noticing the role that joy plays in our own journey. Hello and welcome to episode 76. This is Paula Jenkins, the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. It's the first week of March and this month is all about courage on the podcast. We'll be looking at the crossroads of joy and courage from lots of different angles, from finding courage within your own story, to the courage in starting your own business and marketing yourself, to overcoming personal hardship and lovingly accepting one's passion and journey. This month is going to be bold, loving, joy-filled, and courageous. This week, I'm so excited to have Iman Gaddy on the show. Iman and I met during coach training, and along with being a life coach now, she is a grief and trauma specialist and speaker. Iman was orphaned at age six and spent her childhood bouncing around foster care and is now living an amazing life with her husband in Canada. Here's the thing that I love so much about Iman. She has the most amazingly joyful spirit and the connection I felt with her from the very first time we met was totally immediate and heartfelt. She is radiant and full of life and so full of wisdom and love. Before we get to the show with a man, I want to say that I'm just so thrilled you're here, and I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining me. Jumpstart Your Joy is rounding the corner on being around for a whole year and a half, and I'm so honored and delighted to be with each of you each week. I publish a set of show notes for each episode with links and information about the guest over at my website, which is at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And you can find a link to each show from the homepage of the website, or you can type in directly jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 76. If you've been listening for a while, thank you. Um, If you'd like to subscribe, Jumpstart Your Joy is on all the major syndication spots for podcasts, and you can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, and Player FM if you just search for Jumpstart Your Joy. When you're there, you can hit the subscribe button and then you will get each episode downloaded to your mobile device or your computer uh, each week as it goes live on Tuesdays. And I'd love to have you join us and be sure and leave a review while you're there. I do read each and every one of them and it, it really warms my heart to see what you guys have to say. If you head over to the the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com, I invite you to register for my free e-course, which is called Joy Plus You. It is a fun, self-paced class that guides you through how to focus on making more room in your life for joy. Uh, There's a sign-up form right on the homepage. You can put your name in there and your email address, and then you're going to be all set up. You'll start getting a series of emails from me. There's also a playlist and a downloadable desktop um, graphic that has a donut on it. So I know you guys want to get that. You can also find past episodes and nearly eight years, oh my goodness, of blog posts that I've written that will help you find more joy in your life. So let's get on to the interview with Iman. First, 
I am so honored to have her here. Iman shares so much about her own story from being orphaned to dreaming of speaking in front of people as a little girl and then eventually coming into her own as a very powerful and motivational coach. And Iman is someone that I just admire deeply. As she says in her interview of her own history is that she wouldn't she's not someone that she would have originally bet on as she was growing up. She witnessed her father kill her mother and then was in the foster system for years and struggled to find her own way. And this is such a heartbreaking story. But having seen so much of the effect of trauma in her own life, she now helps others who are living through and with their own difficult situations. And I just have to say, Iman is such an inspiration, both from the radiant joy that she just exudes <laughs> with every inch of her being and to just the powerful courage that she possesses uh, to live this life the way that she does with so much joy and so much just inspiration for others. It's just a real treat to get to speak to her. And I'm so honored to call her a friend. So let's get on to the interview with Iman Gaddy. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I am so excited to have my friend, Iman Gaddy on. Welcome to the show, Iman. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. I'm totally squealing inside. I know. I love you. I'm like, ah, I love <laughs> It's like, oh, reunited and it feels so good. It does, yes. And folks, I think you're probably in for a very laughter-filled, joyful episode, even more than usual, because something <laughs> special happens when Iman and I are in the same space together. <laughs> yeah, it's like laughing and snorting, but, you know. Yes. Some good uh, in there. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, so Iman, would you like to tell us about what you loved most as a child or in school? What were your earliest sparks of joy? Sure. So my earliest, earliest, I have to go back to when I was about five years old, four or five. And I have this memory of sitting on a farm, like my parents were immigrants from Tunisia and they would purchase, you know, like very old school, like they would purchase a whole animal and have it, you know, slaughtered and, and we'd shear the sheep and we would save all of the wool and use it for my mother. She was a, an amazing seamstress. So she would share the sheep and we would sit on this, I remember sitting on this old farmhouse porch in the sun in the summer and just cleaning out the grass and dirt from these, you know, sheared sheep and the wool. And we would just have it soaking in water and picking through it. And I would just play and run in the field. And it was just sunlight and laughing and nature and animals. And that was really my first one of my first memories and also just the first time I remember like falling in love with nature. Oh, and so, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like running through a field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And I, after that, I mean, you know, I was orphaned not long after those memories. And so in the foster care system that I was put into, I would, every time I lived in this, any house with any family, I would, go into the, you know, luckily I got to live on farms and acreages a lot of the time, more often than in cities. And so, you know, I would carry that with me and I would go and pack my little lunch and I'd put my little snacks in a backpack and I would take my favorite teddy bears and wander out into the forest and just sit amongst the trees and have a picnic. And I always, like, that was just where I felt at home. And so those are my earliest times of really tapping into like joy and 
feeling connected and and I still do it now when I, you know, if I'm having an off day or something, I, I know that I have to go to the forest. Mm, I love that so much. I love that it made such a strong imprint on you, but it also sounds like that felt like your heart's home in the woods. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. And trees and, beautiful. and, you know, leaves falling and just everything just with animals and birds and I'm just getting lost in the trees. So, yeah, I still do that. But that was definitely one of my early sparks of joy. I love it. That is so special. And would you like to tell us about what it is that you do now? Sure. So I am a speaker. I'm a life coach. I am a writer. I'm just finishing up my first book, and I'm really excited about that. It will be done any moment now. If any of you are writers, you understand that it's like the never-ending project sometimes. And I am a recently certified grief recovery specialist, which is really powerful for me. And and so I, I help people heal their trauma and their grief and to increase their self-confidence, self-love, increase their income so that they can live freer and more powerfully and just really tap into the limitless potential that that we all have and we all share. Yeah, there's a lot there too, like unpacking all of that. What took you to the path of grief recovery and trauma recovery? Well, I, you know, uh, it's very interesting because it seems obvious now as I was talking to you about that I would help Mm -hmm. people overcome their grief and trauma because, you know, as a child, when I was six, I was orphaned. I witnessed my mother's brutal murder. My father murdered her in front of me. He went to prison. She unfortunately passed away. And so I was orphaned and I'd witnessed this horrific, you know, trauma that, I mean, stays with you, even though I was six years old and so young, but really, really uh, stayed with me and then shaped the rest of my life, you know, living in uh, foster care, living in other people's homes, never quite fitting in, not feeling part of a family again, right? So that it, you know, it created a lot more trauma and grief after that mm-hmm. in regards to just the abuse and the neglect and some of the, the terrible circumstances I found myself in in some of these homes. And so as I was sort of spit out, you know, on the other side of 18 years old and just all of a sudden you're free and you can sort of, now it's up to you to go live and do all the things you want to do and take care of yourself. And I found myself really, really struggling with low self-esteem, you know, just feeling lost. And I felt very codependent. So I would enter these relationships with men that I just was clinging on, just hoping that I would find myself just because I just felt so everything was always chaotic. And so I wasn't used to all of a sudden the chaos being over. And so like many people, I created my own. <laughs> I created my own chaos and it just became this really self-destructive um, early 20s. And and so I remember, you know, realizing that I had to make a change. And as I've worked through that, I'm, you know, now I'm in, you know, in my mid-30s. And so I decided once I have once able to heal myself and that's how it led me to be a life coach. And then, you know, in the past years, what I really actually just started to think like, how I could best serve the world. And that's just something that I constantly ask myself. And I was in Bali on my honeymoon and I was just having this like really amazing experience. And it really struck me. And I thought, why am I not helping people that have suffered like me? Why am I not sharing with those specific people? And, you know, I've been life coaching for a couple of years before that. And 
you know, I, I work with a lot of variety of people, but then to really narrow down on like really getting to the root of grief recovery and trauma recovery. So I came back and I just immersed myself in studying about that and, and became certified. And, and that has completely opened up a whole nother part of me and, and my world. And I just feel so, so honored. And it's sort of like, I, like I said, it seems obvious to anyone from the outside probably. And now I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess that would be something that was really close to home. But I think as a survivor, mm-hmm. grief survivor, you don't want to re live grief. You don't want to keep talking about it. So I yeah. think part of me tried to avoid it, you know? Yeah. And I can totally relate to that. I think there's something there and thank you for sharing your story before we get into the next question. I want to honor that. That's Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's something really deep there about having been through something really hard, but then also what there's really more than one step involved where healing yourself is one thing, but then realizing that this might also be something that you can help others with is a totally new, yeah. different, courageous step, I would imagine. Like, I don't know yeah. if you want to talk a little bit about, like, how did you find the courage first to dive in and heal yourself? And maybe where did that take you? Yeah, well, I think courage plays a huge part in all of our lives, but for sure, it resonates with me deeply. How I found the courage wasn't, you know, a beautiful package. I found it, I think, based on survival. I think, like I said, I I was very troubled growing up. It was very, very difficult. And I, I, you know, I just suffered greatly as a child. And I, as I became an adult and I was just lost and I had no life skills, really. Like I didn't understand a lot of things. I didn't learn how to budget. I didn't learn how to take care of myself, how to run a household, how to pay bills. Like I never learned all of the things. And I know lots of people don't. We don't teach those things in school. And especially I missed a lot of those values and fundamentals, not living with my own family and being sort of, I mean, I went to 10 schools in 12 years and that's, I missed a lot of things being the new girl all the time and and moving around. Mm So I remember for me, the courage to sort of transform my life came from severe desperation of not liking the life that I was living and really just, just a severe hole and sadness that I felt inside me and knowing that that couldn't be it. You know, I think when I hear other people who have suffered deeply and overcome trauma and I wonder, wow, where did you get the strength and the courage to overcome? And, and it's, you know, I think it comes from a a desperation of not accepting your suffering as it is now. And I truly felt in my soul that there was something better. There had to be because I just wasn't willing to tolerate the depth of sorrow that I felt anymore. Mm, yeah. Ooh, yeah. So I'm getting goosebumps around this because, <laughs> I mean, I know we shared a little ahead of even talking. Like I had my own traumatic event, which was the birth of my son. And in the midst of that really hard place, there was something so deep inside of me that said, no, this isn't it. Like, and even just like what you said, that this couldn't be it. Like there's something more and I'm not meant to stay in this space right. of sorrow and desperation and hardship. Like, and there was something in right. that moment that really like pushed me to find whatever that other thing was. And I mean, in my own looking back, I think that was like a kernel of joy or happiness that could be mm. that was saying, no, come and follow me in some way. But it's just really interesting that that's where both of us found ourselves 
do you think does grief and trauma generally get down to that nugget for people as you've worked with them since then? Like, is, is that a commonality that you see? Yes, it comes, you know, you know, it's very cliche, but it, it does come from within, right? And we have, we have our inner guidance system that navigates this world for us if we tap into it. And, you know, just as you just shared, yeah, you felt something inside you. There has to be more. There has to be. And, I think, you know, when you hit a rock bottom of whatever it is that you're dealing with and you realize there is nowhere else to go but up. And that can be very harrowing, very frightening, you know, and turbulent. It's not beautiful. It's not polished. It's very raw and ugly. And but the, the good news is you're going up. And so it's, it's going to, you're going to pass those feelings. You're going to pass through that emotion and you're going to break through on the other side. Something mm. different. Yes. <laughs> yes. And something you know, and if, of all of it. Yeah. Right. And if you're willing to say, if you can look your, you know, your grief and your trauma in the eye and say like, I just want to be anywhere, but here and know and trust that something, it might not be better all around, but it's going to be different. I'm willing to bet on different than to stay the same stuck and suffering. I'm willing to bet on different. I love that. Mm -hmm. And that's where courage, right? Will will help you climb out of that hole. Right? Yeah. Well, and I think there was some moment even for me, I remember very specifically, I've read a quote and it's strangely enough from the princess diaries. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like great. Great place for inspiration, Jenkins. But like oh, good. but it was something about that that courage is not well, the basically courage is the decision that there's something more important than fear. And I remember even mm. reflecting on that little nugget, like, okay, I can be afraid or I can decide that I'm gonna follow whatever this thing that is more important. And right. in my own case, that was right. being a mom and, and having a son that you know, had a mom that wasn't like, you know, right. that I wasn't out of the picture mentally and whatever else may have come out of that. But like, I think it's really interesting, like the phrase of I'm willing to bet on different, that's a really beautiful decision. And the courage in, in there is so, I don't know, so palpable even like, <laughs> that's a big moment. Right. You also mentioned something like when we were talking before, but that like, you've seen that joy is really a non-negotiable for trauma survivors. I don't know, is there something about seeing that different, that little bit of different, I want different, is is that a, a through line towards joy or how do you see joy being a non-negotiable for someone who's been through trauma? Well, we learn a lot about ourselves and about what we desire by witnessing what we don't want. And I think we don't give enough credit to how much we learn from grief. And I didn't get a lot of examples of joy growing up. And, you know, it wasn't joyful, you know, to be orphaned and it wasn't joyful to live in foster care most of the time. You know, there would be like small windows of joy, but certainly living in poverty and abuse and neglect wasn't joyful. But what I learned as a child is to find that I could seek the opposite of the shadow, right? So I could see the shadow and know that somewhere, because there is this shadow, there has to be light. There has to be something light. And I would look to the examples that I was given and they would be negative, you know? So for example, we would never have enough, right? There was a lack 
large lack mentality, but we'd never have enough food. And sometimes we didn't have electricity and we never had cable or phone. And I mean, I didn't grow up in 1950. Like, you know, like I grew up in the 80s and 90s. Like it just wasn't in suburbia. Like it wasn't like I was meant to, you know, like it sounds sometimes I feel like I live in the depression the way I have these stories. So I was able to say that, to look at my circumstance and say, this is not what I want. I want the opposite. Mm -hmm. And it allowed me to find joy in dreaming of the opposite. And I had such an imagination and I would dream of running my own business and I would dream of speaking, you know, and it's funny when I think to myself and I think back to when I was seven years old and I got to this new home and all I wanted was a microphone and I begged and begged and begged and I got one from Santa, you know, and this little plastic yellow microphone. And I would climb up on their, it was an old farmhouse and I'd climb up on their big old deep freeze and by myself. And I would speak to this room of emptiness, but I would speak. And I just think like, when I think back to that and I think of myself now as a speaker and something that brings me great joy. And I would, you know, the, the innocence of a child, we would tap into those things, the intuition that I like to, to stand in front of people and share love. And that, that was how I tapped into my joy. And, and I felt there's, when I look back, I can see the lines of that all the time. And as an adult, you can still do that. You know, you can still tap into your joy and it's a, it's a non-negotiable because I wouldn't have survived if I didn't do that. Mm, yes. I couldn't and be following here. that. Yeah. Mm. Mm, but that, so, and that's so deep and that it's just already there inside you and that you already knew like, Hey, I've just, I've got to use my voice. Like I've got to speak. I've got to right. find a way to tell my stories. Even right. as a little, little bitty one. <laughs> right. And I would write poetry, right? I liked to write poetry and I love to be in the forest, like we talked about earlier. And I like, you know, mm -hmm. so, and we, of course, we grow up and we learn things and we get buried down with obligations and duties and things like that. And we forget the simple things that brought us joy. And so to me, it's a non-negotiable to tap into that every day mm, as much yeah. as possible, right? And it, and that sounds overwhelming to some people. They think, well, I don't have time. I got to work. I got kids. I got, you know, I got things to do. How am I supposed to tap into myself? Right? People, clients say to me all the time, they're like, I don't have time. And I'm like, but if you yeah. don't make time for joy, if you don't make time for joy, you're going to have to make time for suffering. The suffering will yes. creep into your house and take over, whether you like it or you have time or not. Right. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's so, it's so much the heart of what like the show is even about that, like joy is a choice and that we must keep on choosing it. Yeah. And, you know, and that's kind of like the impetus for a lot of where the name came from and, you know, why I wear a necklace that says choose joy is because it's Aww, true that you could it. sit there <laughs> and be a, you could be a willing participant in the grief and the hurt or you could choose to try and see if there's something else, like you said, like choosing the opposite of that. Like what would even just a tiny step today look like that would mean that you're one step closer to joy? Right. And I don't know, how have you helped or what do you think helps clients or someone even that's listening right now? And it's like, oh, my gosh, but I'm in I'm in so deep. Like, how do you mm -hmm. how do they reconnect? What's a helpful first step, do you think? The first step is always willingness. You know, I can't want it for you. I can't force you to do anything and I wouldn't dare. So willingness is always the first step for me. Are you really willing to find joy? Are you really willing to change this story and flip this around? Like, are you done? 
living in your trauma. Because people like me, I loved being a victim. I like relished in it because I got lots of the wrong kind of attention, but it felt like I was important. And so we can stay replaying our victim stories over and over and over again. It wasn't rewarding in the good ways, right? Of like living my dreams and finding the love of my life and traveling the world and having a business. Like none of those things were coming to fruition, but I got some sort of, you know, your trauma loves drama. And so you continuously create that drama and it feeds the trauma and it comes to this vicious circle that you don't, some people can't jump out of because they choose not to. And so the first step I think is always willingness. You have to just get sick to death with living the same way and saying, okay, you know what? I'm ready. I'm done. I don't want this to be Mm -hmm. true anymore. I, I don't want this. So willingness is always the first step. And then after that, you need to tap into yourself you have to tap into yourself. You cannot live a life of joy and bliss and success and, you know, all of the wonderful thriving feelings that we want by not knowing who you are and not knowing how to sit with yourself. And unfortunately, many trauma and grief survivors, they're so hurt and burdened by their situations that they want to turn their back on them. And I, I, I totally understand. I don't blame you, you know, because it feels so raw and awful. It feels uncomfortable and it's awkward and it's a lot of work to sit with yourself. And so we often mm-hmm. want to turn our backs on the very people that, that need us the most. And that's you, you know, you're going to spend the rest of your life with you. Yeah. And when I realized that, like, I was like, I don't even, I remember realizing, I was like, I don't even think I know who I am. I don't even know what I like, my favorite foods. I didn't know what I liked about myself, what kind of hobbies. And I feel like that with clients that I work with, they start from like, they've been so living in their minds and reliving the trauma over and over and over again that Mm -hmm. they haven't even got to know little things, what they like. So tapping into yourself and finding your your intuition is is a huge second step. Mm, Yeah, I love that because I know, I mean, even... I don't know how closely related to trauma it would have been, but even, I mean, I think a lot of people, it's hard for them to just sit in silence with themselves. Like I remember the prospect of going to like a silent retreat. I was like, um, (laughs) partly probably because I'm such an extrovert, but the other piece is like, but what will I find in that silence? Like that seems terrifying. Um, Yes. That's really interesting that you bring that up. It's just like tapping into what you like. And now I could probably spend loads of time by myself quiet and be all right with it. But yeah, right. that, that seemed terrifying. But it is terrifying because it's kind of like, and that's, it's sort of interesting because it's only terrifying because you don't know what you'll find. But then you mm-hmm. think of it thinking, well, you own this house, you own this person, right? This body is yours. This is you. And isn't it strange that you don't know what's inside? Like, and, yes. and that's, Right. And I felt like that before. I was like, okay, well, I don't want to know who I am. I mean, I don't even like me. It's like kind of always suffering and, you know, bad things are happening in my life and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, it's negative stuff. And I'm like, of course you don't want to know that girl. It sounds like a horrible friend. But mm. it's whether you like it or not, it's you. So do you not want to yeah. fall in love with that person? Do you not want to help them? Like, it's like you're a hoarder of all these negative experiences and you know that show hoarders and you look in their houses and you're like, Oh Lord, not my house. Right. And <laughs> yes. you know what I mean? And you like kind of feel better about yourself. You're like, Whoa. <laughs> and then I feel like people do that with their grief and they just have this whole 
bullshit like filled up house of grief and like all this stuff is in there all these traumatizing experiences and they're like oh I don't want to get rid of any of them they all mean something and you're yeah. like really like <laughs> the rest of us think you should throw it away and like right. deal with yes. it yes <laughs> yeah isn't that so interesting because there's also that thing that happens like I think is it part of it that people get very tied to that identity of being a victim and they may not even realize yeah. what they're doing. Like, I think that's a really hard realization is that the victim story brings with it a lot of power. I mean, it, like mm-hmm. you said, it, it starts to identify who a person might be. And so then when you're really closely identifying with, I'm a victim, it really changes your entire outlook. So then I think maybe yeah. part of that terror that you're talking about too is like, okay, but who am I if I drop that? Cause that's a lot right. of an identity for someone. That's a beautiful way to say it. It takes away the responsibility of you having to actually do the work and be a whole person without the trauma. What yeah. a beautiful question. Yeah. Who, who would I be without my trauma? Yeah. And for many of us, like for me, it happened when I was six. I did not know who I would be without my trauma. That's all right. I knew. And it was very frightening to have to look myself in the mirror and be like, okay, I guess like, are we going to live the rest of our lives like this? Cause it was really painful, you know, mm-hmm. to be suffering so much. Right. And I remember making that decision. And like you said, joy is a choice. And I made that choice. And I thought, I think the best revenge will be my success, my healing, my happiness, my, you know, pure bliss, joy, loving, jumping, running through the trees and the fields like I did when I was a little kid. And I'm going to live like that. And how the hell do I do that? <laughs> yeah. Right? Like I was willing. So that was my willingness. And then I had to tap into myself. I sat with myself all the time. I started to meditate and I was totally like many people, like you said, with the silent retreat, I used to hate the idea of meditation. I was so resistant to it. People, I would just get mad when they brought it up. Like, oh, do you want to try this? You know, like Oprah and Deepak are having this challenge. And I was like, yeah, good for them. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. Like, right. My brain doesn't do that. You know, and I was so resistant. And then finally, I just was so like stuck that I didn't have any other place to go. I thought, okay, I guess I got to sit here. I'm going to sit here and close mm-hmm. my eyes. I'm going to sit here and be quiet. I'm going to try it for a second, for 10 seconds, for a minute. Like, you know, I think a lot of people start thinking like, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to meditate every day for 60 minutes. And you're like, good luck. Like, <laughs> we, yeah. Right? Like, good luck with that. Like, you know, start with a minute. Can you do something for a minute? You can do about anything for a minute. So, mm-hmm. yes. Right? So I start to, to tap into myself. And then the funny thing about tapping into yourself is that you have a lot of the answers. And so you get led to divine inspiration, Right. Oh, I, I really like for me, all of a sudden I just realized I was like, oh, I really love coaching. I really love speaking. Like, and I remembered it and I had not spoken in front of group, like in groups of people since I was seven years old, standing on that deep freeze with my yellow plastic Fisher Price microphone. And all of a sudden when I was, you know, this is like five years ago now, 30 years old. I kept feeling like I need to say something. I need to share something. I need to speak. And I didn't know the exact way that I was going to share my message. But I started to feel again that I wanted my microphone. And I thought, what the heck would I have to say? And eventually it came about, you know, well, why don't you share your story? Why don't you share how you overcame? Why don't you share your healing? If you can save one person from 
killing themselves or from one person from abusing their spouse or one person from staying with an abused spouse, wouldn't that be worth all of the fear and awkwardness and discomfort that you're trying to avoid? Because that's basically what it amounted to. I just didn't want to be uncomfortable. Mm, yeah. My pain became comfortable. It was a place I could hide. Yeah. Yeah. And then the the courage that one taps into to dive into the unknown, yes. even though there's the possibility of joy out there. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's the moment. That's the brave step. That's the scary thing. Yes. Yeah. Doing but it anyway. You've, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I love that you've said, but the joy, I mean, you kind of already had the inklings and maybe knew where some of it was lying in your life or, you know, where you could find it. And so, Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, there's something so beautiful about that, that like, even if it's just the simple nudge of, hey, I want my microphone, and you don't even know kind of what that means yet, but like following that to see where it goes, I think there's like inherent curiosity there of, yes. of finding your way. Like, totally. I didn't know if it meant I wanted to be a stand-up comedian, right? Like, I didn't know what it meant. I was like, what do I, what would I even say? Like, I was like, what would I say? And I was like, that's kind of funny. Like, I'm a little bit of an odd, like quirky oddball. So that might be fun. So I started like doing these like routines in my living room. I was like, oh yeah, let me try to be like, and now I think that's so funny, but like, I am not a stand-up comedian, but I bring a lot of right. humor to my, to my talks and to my workshops and to my presentation because that's who I am inherently. I am somebody mm-hmm. who loves to laugh, right? So mm-hmm. I giggle at myself. I giggle at the, you know, you and I can sit here and just giggle like, <laughs> so it's true. Like we're just like laughing. I think, yeah, and I am giggling. Laugh. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? And so yeah. tapping into those things, and like I recommend for you know any of your listeners or people that you work with or that are hearing this, is if you really want to know the things that bring you joy, and if you want to bring more joy into your life, then try as many things as possible. Really look at the kid you were. Did you like painting? Go get paints. Go take the beautiful like paint class you know they have those wonderful ones now paint night where you can actually have cocktails and paint at the same time and hang out with girlfriends how fun is that you know take a dance class look like a fool risk being silly join a gym join like do something that's different take a zumba class take a whatever right start weight lifting like whatever get moving right because the third thing that you know helps me to like really tap in and jump start joy into my life is after I'm willing, after I tap into myself, I have to take action. Mm-hmm. That's the magic part. You got to get going. So it's like, so I started, I was like, okay, I'm going to, when I figured out that I wasn't going to be a stand-up comedian, <laughs> I realized <laughs> that I was going to like speak at, I thought, well, I'll just start speaking at schools and speaking with organizations and maybe I'll help people that way. And mm-hmm. I think when you come from things as a way of how can my journey serve others you come from a more holistic place than if you think well how am I going to get happy about this how am I going to get more joy right Right. you think of it in a way that how can my story serve the world and how can my being serve the world like I'm here for a reason and I was chosen just like any of the rest of the human beings on this planet for some reason right and I don't doesn't matter what you believe in religiously or spiritually I mean, you're here. You can believe that. And mm-hmm. for me, there has to be a reason. There has to be something that I'm doing here. And I get to choose whatever that is. 
Mm, yeah, I love it. And, and I love that there's a saying yes to like, I know this is the thread. I don't know where it goes. Because I think so many people get hung up on that idea. Like I've got to know what the end result will be. And so they don't even take the first right. step. They're just like, well, I mean, I'm sure you've worked with, right. with clients. Maybe have that same thing where it's like, well, I don't know if I'll ever be a stand-up comedian. So why would I do that? And you're like, well, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Why yeah. would you do that? It's fun. <laughs> like, I mean... <laughs> Like, I, I literally yeah. auditioned for this weird online, like, I started Googling, like, like open mic things. Like, I was considering it. I mean, I didn't have to. I was I didn't go to any yeah. because it didn't feel right for me. But I started, like, aud- like, making audition tapes in my apartment. And I was like, it was just so bizarre. Like, now I laugh so hard and it brings me joy just to think about it. But, <laughs> like, how ridiculous. Yeah. I was standing in my, you know, office and it was, like, this contest for comedy. I don't even know... If, what comedy club or anything it was a canadian thing and it was sponsored by some kind of underwear like men's underwear so you had to wear men's boxers <laughs> while you deliver i went out and bought like a pair of men's underwear and i was like in my living room like just like making these weird spoofs and i think to myself like it made me laugh so hard but it took a lot of courage right it did <laughs> yeah weird <laughs> I love like, it anymore. That's so great. So, it's so weird. But like, I don't know why I was just called to do it, and I took the ch- I met the challenge, right? I just was like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna go buy these weird boxers, and I'm gonna stand in my living room <laughs> my underwear and make up these like you know weird skits, and and then I didn't send them anywhere. I didn't end up doing anything with it. It just, but it took me to the next process, right? Like yes. It, Totally out of my shell, and I felt so mm-hmm. proud of myself standing in those underwears. You know, I was like, I feel like a real like I feel stronger than I was, and I feel braver, and I feel more filled with courage. This is awesome. What next? You know? Yeah, yeah. Because even I, if this thing isn't it. the thing, yeah, it's like a, it's like you said, it leads you to the next thing. It's almost like as you get closer to the mountains, you can see the whatever's at the base of the mountains closer and. Yeah, I don't know what that really means, but like you get closer and your view gets more expansive and you understand what's in front of you better, even in men's right. answer. <laughs> exactly. Like, if you, and you can visualize it. It's so funny. Like, it's so ridiculous. I'm like, you know, I shortly after met, you know, my husband now. And so when I started dating him, like, and then he, like one day after, you know, we've been dating for a while, he saw these underwear. And he's like, who the hell's underwear is this? And I was like, those are mine. <laughs> like, I actually bought men's underwear. <laughs> like, and I was so embarrassed, but actually in a joyful, funny way, right? Like, I was, like, embarrassed, but kind of funny, yeah. hilarious. <laughs> like, oh, like really? And I, I was like, I deleted all images of this because I don't want <laughs> to watch my, like, five minutes of stand-up comedy fame that I had in my living room. But just hilarious, you know? And you have to, like... And it brought more, it did, it brought joy into my life. And, and and like you said, like everyone wants to get to the top of the mountain, but you know what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The top, the top of the mountain is the end of your life. You guys, that's it. Mm. The fun parts are, you know, the silly things you're doing in between and the, on the way to the mountain and the climbing up and the scraping your knees and getting back up and the people you meet who reach their hands out and lift you up and the people that you get to lift up. That's the fun. That's the joy. And just repeating those things over and over and over. And then you're going to get to the top of the mountain. And hopefully you get there old and wrinkled and with a big old smile on your face. But it'll be done. Yeah. Mm, That is worth soaking up right there. Yeah. Is that it really Mm -hmm. is the journey. And 
kind of even finding those quiet moments for yourself where you're laughing hysterically about whatever in the world <laughs> you're doing. I mean, <laughs> like, I love <laughs> I mean, the, risk, the risk on like the just whatever it is and just like soaking up the moment because it is really hilarious and wonderful and yeah. such a creative and, and brave act to just go, you know what? I'm going to give this a try. This is funny. Right. And, and yeah. knowing yeah. that like whatever you're waiting for, cause we're all always secretly waiting for something, right? Like everyone, mm-hmm. so far everyone I've spoken to and whatever you're waiting for is not going to come to your door. And knowing that you have to go out and get whatever it is. And you know what? You know, some people, I know a lot of people are waiting for the love of their life, right? They want the guy or girl of their dreams. And that's really what they want. And I talk to some clients and I'm like, you don't go out anywhere. Like, unless you fall in love with the pizza guy or girl, you know, or the UPS or FedEx person, like you're really limited here, you know, like you need to go out and like, maybe go on a speed dating for fun right grab a girlfriend and go laugh your ass off at speed dating or go sign up and go on like make a challenge i'm gonna go on 30 dates in 30 days or something silly like go challenge yourself to meet as many people as possible and i guarantee that will increase your odds (laughs) of finding joy in another person right right it's like the thing thing you want yeah whatever it is the thing that you want you need to throw yourself at everything that even remotely might get you there and I, and I really promise you that the things you find along the way will enrich your life and bring you deep, deep joy. I love that, Iman. That's so, so beautifully put. Thank you. Yeah, because it really just does take saying yes to the thing that you love and just seeing where it goes. I think there's, cause there's a deep similarity there with submerging yourself like in the thing that you love, but also if there's something else that you want to run out and get, like surrounding yourself with everything around that thing as much as you mm-hmm. can get of it makes it so much more likely that you're going to have, well, frankly, more of it in your life. Like there's no way around that one. <laughs> right. And not everything works out perfectly, right? Some people might say no. You might hear the word no, but I feel like some people act like the word no is going to completely shut down their existence. Like, you know, it, it's going to stop their lives and their dreams will never come true. And it's like, you know what? Yeah, you're going to go out there and ask and ask and try and things won't work out. But you become a professional, like, I say when people are like, what are the, what's the best thing that I'm the best at? Like, what's my, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's getting back up. Like my get back up muscle mm. is so fierce because I've, yeah. I've landed on my ass. I've landed on my face. I've landed on my elbows, my knees. I just like fall down all the time, but I will always mm. get back up. Yes. And that is a major, wonderful superpower to have. Like, <laughs> That would keep yeah. you going, and that's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One of the other really interesting things that we had chatted about having been through trauma is you were describing, like, that there's this limitless potential that you discover when you're kind of on the other side or you've you've lived through it and now tapped into yourself. Um, what have you seen become possible for people or how would you describe that a little bit more around what happens when you've lived through trauma and now you have all this limitless p- potential? Mm. Oh, my goodness. I have seen people fall so deeply in love with who they are that they have instantly changed their careers, started their own businesses, fallen in love, like met this. It seems instant to them. They'll say, oh, my gosh, I didn't know this. Like, I don't know what happened. I've met the love of my life. I've 
increased my income. I've started my own company. I've really branched out. I've gone back to school. I've had, and I work with all kinds of different groups of people, but there's this one group of people that is, I get hired by the government to work with um, victims of violence as well. There's a particular program that I'm, I'm deeply involved with. And I've heard people say things like, I stopped, you know, I went to rehab. I stopped living with my abuser. I, you know, there was a young girl that stopped cutting herself after mm-hmm. starting to meditate and, and things like that. And so it's like, not just, you know, like there's so many different kinds of people that I work with, all different kinds of right. vibrations. And I get just, you know, so much joy from listening to people overcome any obstacle. And, and you know what? That one person that decided to go to rehab, that changes their life. Right? right. Like that, that's just so transformational to them. And so when you discover the limitless potential, and that's why I love speaking because I didn't realize this before, but when I speak, it gives people permission to see that, Hey, if I can do it, you can. I really was, you know, I came from, I was orphaned. I lived in poverty. I had nothing. I didn't, you know, not a care in the world. I was kicked out on the street at one point. I literally, if you're going to look at anyone to bet on, I don't think you would have bet on me to have the best life, you know, as an adult. But I am living my dream. I am a successful person. And I don't mean that just financially. I mean that in my soul. I'm happy. That to me is the biggest, you know, test of success is like, are you, do you like who you are? Do you like the people you're around? And when you discover that your potential is limitless, limitless, you can have anything you want, anything you want. When you discover that it's possible for you to love madly, or it's it's possible for someone to love you madly, like that just changes people's lives. And that you can work in something that you enjoy. You can start the podcast. You can start the blog. You can become a life coach. You can write the book. Like I'm writing a book that has been my dream since I was 16 years old. Hmm. I, I can't. Yeah. It just blows my mind. Yeah. And, and I think probably one of the challenges I would think for a lot of people is accepting the goodness that's there and like just sinking into it yeah. and saying yes. That seems like that's a big I don't know, maybe a, a stumbling place for some folks. Is that also one of the things that's super hard about it? Is you said yes in some way, but now, whoa, the thing's blown wide open and all this goodness is for you. I don't know. How do people embrace that when it starts to, when the tide changes and they find themselves in flow? How do they run towards such a beautiful, it? Beautiful, beautiful point because, okay, so the tide changes. You say, okay, great. I'm done with living like crap and I'm done with suffering and I'm done with my trauma. And what most people want to do is just jump into like, okay, I'm ready for joy. I'm ready to turn things around, even though I might be afraid and everything. But there's a huge healing component that comes with being willing to be happy and joyful. If you're willing to welcome joy and you're willing to tap into it and you've lived through this horrific incident or, you know, something really difficult, you also then need to be willing to do what it takes to tap into joy. And so that's where we go back to the where it's not pretty and it's quite raw and a little ugly and it's not, you know, it's not polished to tap into our joy uh-huh. all the time, right? It becomes like, for me, I had to go to extensive, like extensive therapy. Like I was calculating how much I've probably spent on therapy and I think I'm at a hundred thousand. Like I have literally dedicated my adult life to therapy. Personally, that's what called out to me and has changed my life. Everyone's different. Mm -hmm. I saw a 
psychologists and psychotherapists and like, you know, coaches, life coaches. I've, I've done all kinds of different testing and different kind of experiments and, and new age things and old school things. And, you know, you got to find what works for you. And sometimes I would meet someone and go, nope, <laughs> not for me. <laughs> right. Like, I don't even know, you, you know, and you can't open up to everyone. Right. You have to find what works for you. I believe yeah. in sweat therapy. I love working out. Like I believe in like getting that energy out. And so, so between therapy, meditation, coaching, and physical exercise and journaling and artistic endeavors, those are the things that really get things moving for me and would allowed me to really transform the energy that I had that was negative into something more joyful and, and beautiful and, mm. and powerful. Like, and, and you you cannot, once you tap into those things and you see through your healing and you look back and you go, kind of celebrate where you've been, you start to believe that it's limitless potential because you think, oh, mm-hmm. a year ago, I couldn't do that. Yeah. Six months ago, I couldn't do that. And you'll start to surprise yourself. Like, you know, I, when I got to the point of my healing where I actually heal, I was able to forgive my father. I was able to go into the prison of the man who murdered my mother walk in and look him in the eye and start that healing. I mean, that was monumental for me. That was life altering. And it, I couldn't just do it tomorrow. Like, you know, it wasn't something that I could just like ripping a bandaid off. Like people say, no, I had to know when that was the next step for me. And I wouldn't have been able to get there if I hadn't been already throwing myself into all these different experiences of therapy and self-help and reading and educating myself to empower myself. And if you would have asked me 10 years prior, could you go into that prison and look him in the eye? I would have said, no, no way. In fact, I probably would have been furious that you suggested it. But now I think of what the joy, the bliss that I have received from forgiveness has completely healed me in ways I didn't know were possible. And so there's the limitless again. Like, I didn't know that that was possible. And that's why I love working with other people, you know, to find that, to find tapping into you, into where you, and you can find your joy and where you can find that it's limitless. You just have to do the steps in advance and listen to your intuition and constantly show up to do the work. Mm, that's beautiful, Iman. <laughs> I've got tears in my eyes just thinking of the courage and the, joy and the beauty that you create in that space for yourself and then mm-hmm. for all the people who get to work with you. So thank, thank you, you so much That's for so nice. stepping into your own into your own beauty and your own amazing courageous self. Thank you. Um, it's an honor. Yeah. Well, I'm just and I'm glad we got to connect again. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Well. <laughs> yes. I mean, just, I don't know if listeners know that, we, you know, we were in a program together and a couple of years ago, and it's just awesome to stay connected and to see you grow and all the beautiful ways that you share joy with the world is, is really moving for the rest of us that are cheering you on. Mm, so it's nice thank to get you, Iman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so before we jump into the last couple of questions, where can people find you online if they are moved and want to learn more about you? So you can go to my website at imangatti.com. I am I'm It's currently being revamped. So that's that. And then Facebook and Instagram, I'm imangatti. 
so pretty easy. Wonderful. And I will link up to all of that on the show notes as well. If you didn't catch it or you're driving in your car or something. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, all the dangers of podcasting. Yeah. Um, (laughs) What would you say about what does balance look like for you and how do you maintain harmony, if that feels like a better word, in your life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love balance and I love harmony because balance to me is imbalanced. Like that's what balance looks like to me. Just like perfection Mm -hmm. looks like imperfection to me. I try, this is my aim every day. I want to feed my mind, my body, and my soul daily. Those are three sort of goals and intentions that I have when I open my eyes. So I meditate every day. I love cooking, so I try to create something different to eat and nourish myself in a, in a different way. And I love physical exercise. So I do try to break a sweat every day doing something. So just spending, even, and, and it doesn't even have to be breaking a sweat, but it could be just stretching. If I already, if it's my day of rest, you know, I could just do stretches and just honor my body and things like that. But I just try to tap into my mind, body, and my soul. And harmony, honestly, to me, some days, like, this is sort of a, something that I know that you'll resonate with, but it's sort of annoying in the coaching world where people have these, like, you hear them and you think they have these amazing daily rituals that they always maintain. and and you're like, I don't have time for that. Like, I got kids and I got a job and I got things and I'm busy. Like, I don't know how, you know, to do that. And some days my harmony looks like sitting, you know, on the computer for seven hours working on something. And sometimes it looks like going to the gym and sometimes it doesn't look like going to the gym, right? Like, it doesn't always, I can't always do all these things every day. Like, I would love that if I was just like able to maintain like every day, this perfect balance, but some days my balance looks like that. I didn't get anything that I wanted to done. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, like some days that's, that's what it looks like, but I do that. My non-negotiable is the meditation. Now it can be one minute or it can be half an hour. That's where I get to make the space for that. So if I'm in a, like some days I have, you know, a crazy day with full of meetings, just like anyone else or I'm traveling or it doesn't work out. But I just say, can you at least, can you at least, Iman, promise that you can always find 60 seconds to just stop? And I promise myself that. So that's something that like I do. And that's my balance, right? Just tapping in. Even thank you. Thank you is a great prayer. Thank you is a great meditation. Just thank you. Here I am doing it again, alive. <laughs> so yeah. I think, I think not beating yourself up on the medit like on the maintaining harmony and balance, I think for people... For me, I, I used to be trying to do everything and it was so rigid. Like I had planners and I had my alarms were going off. Like time to meditate, time to exercise, time to, you know, like I was like, oh my God. Like it just didn't feel very, it didn't feel very like filled with bliss and harmony and balance. <laughs> like I was like, I'm going nuts. So I think, totally. everyone, you know, I would encourage them to not take it so seriously. Do what feels good for you. And and for me, balance means I tap into myself every day and just ask what I need. Wonderful. And I agree. And I love that you've kind of <laughs> stated there that meditation can be just a minute. It can just be a check-in. Like, because I think, I mean, even yeah. like we were saying earlier, it's, there seem, I mean, meditation is powerful, but there's also that thing of like, well, you have to do it for so many minutes or hours or whatever. And it's, I think you're, you're speaking such truth in saying that it can just be a momentary Check in of being yeah. present and realizing, okay, now I can yeah. move on. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be overwhelming. Right. 
No, you don't have to have gongs and, you know, monks singing in the background. Like, you just be sitting on the toilet going like, oh, Lord, take a deep breath before you go back out to the kids. Like, it can just be that real because you are a real human being. (laughs) Love that. Yes. (laughs) Cool. And then for our last question, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? Oh, I think, you know, I think we... This goes back to what we were saying about being willing, but like the willing, the tapping into yourself and the taking action are obviously the massive steps, but three ways that you can like sort of take action to jumpstart your joy are practicing forgiveness, practicing gratitude and practicing self-love. Yeah. And it's so interesting. (laughs) I don't know if forgiveness has ever come up before. So I just, I adore that you just said that because I think that's one of the that one's a key. Forgiveness for yourself and for others is so hard and so instrumental. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, you're right. On the other side of it, it's filled. It's just packed with joy. Yeah, it is. And, I mean, forgiveness, there's things every day that you need to forgive, right? Like the way you were impatient with someone or maybe someone said something, the, you know, you didn't take the right way or you said something that you thought, oops, that came out wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, or you yeah. were showing up as your authentic self. But, yeah, there's joy on the other side of that. Thank you, Iman. This has been so amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Iman, thank you so much for being on the show. I don't know the last time I was so inspired nor laughed so hard. And I wanted to share with you guys that when Iman and I were talking about which date to put this episode up, I suggested that March 7th would be the first day of the month of courage. And she said that, yes, that would be a wonderful day because March 7th is her mother's birthday. Thank you for sharing this very special episode and very special day with us, Iman. You're such an inspiration. If you want to learn more about Iman, you can find her at her website, which is imangaddy.com, or you can find all of the links to where she is online and all of the complete show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 76. Um, While you're over on the website, of course, you can sign up for that Joy Plus You uh, mini course. It's it's just a few emails that will help you find joy in your life. And if you're looking for a coach, uh, that is one of the things that I do as well. I work with women who are looking to find more joy in their life and are looking at the crossroads of where they are and where they can find more joy. And you can learn more about that on the website as well, jumpstartyourjoy.com. Next week, I'll be doing a solo cast about what about what courage has looked like in my life. And I'll share a handful of ways that you can make room for courage in your life too. I hope that you'll come on back and tune in for episode 77. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.